that um, the Lord really presses upon my heart to share because the world has gone mad. The last several years, the toxicity on the airwaves, the toxicity in, in branches of government has just permeated into people's hearts and souls and it's still lingering and we can see the effects of that because people are just do not want to relate to each other whatsoever. People want to just kill, steal, and destroy, which we know where that mandate has come from. But we are teaching this series because we are here to break the barriers to relational wellness that people in your life, people surrounding your spheres, that they will be relationally well to deal with you as a neighbor, to deal with you as a co-worker, to deal with you as a as a fellow citizen of your state, municipality, your nation, especially our nation, because, and most of all, being a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you are, if you are not, there's ways you can enter in that doesn't act like this crazy world does that gives you all these these rules and regulations how you can be a citizen. God made us as man, made us as human beings. We are made in his image, in his likeness, um, male and female, created he them. And we know that passage from Genesis 1 and 26 to 28. So God made us and he made us in his image. We don't need to sit there and try to be destroying each other's, the other images of God, the, the various um, plethora. God is, I mean, the angels fly around him all the time. Day and night, day and night, and they still find new things about God. So listen, with us as human beings, people who his most precious creation, there is no there is no limit to what he created us to be. If we're made in his image, because his image is is profoundly intense, infinite, and just surpasses all understanding. So we just got to be able to relate. We got to be able to get together. We got to be able to want to love one another. Amen. We are in this message to talk about love. We're in the love portion of this message. You know, we talked about relations. And as I'll repeat that every time we start this message, relation based on the early uh, entomology of this word is the act of telling. What is your behavior telling about how you treat other people? It's a report. It's connection. You know, we are all connected. You live in a community, you're connected. You live in a state, you're connected. We are connected in spirit and we're connected in the natural. People feel as though <clears throat> we don't have to do them over there <laughs> and these folk over there. Uh, well, yes, you do. God called us to love one another. And the greatest of his commandments is about loving him and loving neighbors, loving those around you. And loving those around doesn't mean that you're fawning over people around you. It just means that you care about them because you know God created them as well. So you want to treat them with dignity and respect, even though you may disagree with some of their structural belief systems. Anyway, into our session for today. We're continuing our discussion about Eros love. The love that is sensual, the love that is romantic, okay, basically not definitions, we can go into it, wellness, you know, it's physical, passionate love, 
with desire and longing. It's romantic, it's emotional, and at times does not have logic. So, I want to start with this one passage. You know how good a time we had the last two weeks, and this this message continues to roll on, but I want to start with this one here, okay? Let's go to Ephesians 5, one of my hallmark passages of scriptures that I really love to share about love, okay? Um, wow. Ephesians 25, excuse me, Ephesians 5, verse 25, and I'm going to start with um, yeah, 25, go down to verse 30. I'm going to read this from the message, okay? It says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the ecclesia. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the ecclesia whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says, everything he does and says, actions and words, is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk. <laughs> Where did that come from? Radiant with holiness. That is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor. Hmm. <laughs> They're, let me say it again. <clears throat> they are really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. Okay, verse, um, now verse 29. I'm going to go down to verse 29. No one abuses his own body, does he? No. Look at this. He feeds and pampers it. Come on now. In other words, nourish and cherish is another um, um, translation. And this is why man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, but they become one flesh. Cherish. I'm going to give you an assignment on the spot, someone look up the definition cherish and put that into the chat. Hallelujah. This is such an amazing passage here. There is so many things in this passage which talks about arrows, the love, a passionate love, a love that, that causes you to want to engage and cherish. Look at this. I, I tell you one thing. Um, I'm excited about this message because, you know, I'm been around some couples who've been married 30, 40. I even met some folks when I was doing some things at a Christian bookstore. People who are married 64 years, not 64 years old, but married 64 years. 
the thing that excited me the most about him, when I, particularly the one that was married 64 years, I said, look at you two lovebirds. And I'll tell you one thing. This man and this woman is an African-American man and an African-American woman. Two black folk. The, you should see how they were blushing. Blushing. <laughs> 64 years in, that passionate love they have for one another, that, that sensual love, that romantic love, that emotionate, that passion stuff that almost, that really defies logic. Look at this. Made him blush. I see someone put it in the chat. Lady Barbara, look at that. Cherish to protect and care for someone lovingly. To hold dear. To keep in mind. Look at that. To hold dear. So anyway. For us, Prophet Ashante and I, we've been married um, since year 2000. So we are just about to enter year number 21 of licensed marriage okay <laughs> and i and and even with the activities of this week one thing i've learned um very intensively this week is to pray that i cherish protect care for lovingly hold dear and keep in mind her heart her feelings her thoughts so i can get even another year of marriage and another year of marriage, and another year of marriage. A lot of, oh my God. A lot of discussions, particularly, you know, there's a large discussion about people in church and about marriages in the church are breaking down, they're, they're failing. Well, one thing, geez, I'll just come out with it. People have taken on the marriage of the church as if that's the marriage of their spouse, and that's erroneous. You're not married to the church. There's westernized religions that feel that ministers or priests um, have to denounce marriage because they're married to an organization. That's one of the greatest fallacies of humanity. That's a great fallacy. See, look at this. And that fallacy comes from this westernized, some of this westernized um, uh, philosophy, the Greco-Roman philosophy. Look at Plato. Um, many people, if you talk about Plato and Socrates and all those folks, um, people just jump up and down about being the most wisest philosophers on the planet ever, which is not true. Plato made a big fallacy that people seem to want to take on when it comes down to not engaging in sensual love with the opposite sex. Male and female has got how God has created. Plato says that physical attraction is not a necessary part of love. He says that physical attraction is not necessary. So what happens is people feel like they could be in love or be married to something without necessarily having physical attraction. You know, we see many movies and many documentaries where you see what happens with arranged marriages. You see people, you know, like people in other countries where, um, you know, someone is selected for them to be married to and there's like no physical attraction. 
And you see that there is so much terrorizing activities that happen in the lives of those individuals. Even look at the 14th, 13th, 15th century uh, uh, um, uh, monarchs. You will see that many of them, uh, the person who they married, they were not attracted to. And they just married for royalty's sake or to expand kingdom's sake. But what happened was their personal lives were troubled. Prophet, say again. I was going to say it's a lot of them married for political arrangements. Marrying for, mm -hmm. or to forge um, alliances with another nation. Right. So what happens is, look at this. Christ Himself spoke through the Apostle Paul and said, "For the love of husbands to love your wives. It's not someone you're arranged to. It's not something for political dynasty. It's not anything." Um, for it's about loving this individual with the care of a male that goes towards a female that is passionate, that is caring, that is cherishing. Okay? Like I said, Plato felt that physical attraction was not a necessary part of love. And then you get this thing called Platonic love that comes up, which we'll talk about later, which is out physical attraction. People feel. Um, like attraction, physical attraction is of the devil. And we talked a bit about that last week. You know, Prophet Shante talked about something. I'm, I wrote it down when she said, she said that attraction and chemistry and physical beauty is not evil. So we have to stop demonizing attraction. When you look at the scripture itself, Jesus says he came to bring out the best in her. Dressing her in what? Dazzling silk. Dazzling silk? You know how silk feels. Silk! <laughs> Any of you married folks or have been married, you know what silk does. You know what silk, when it comes against your skin, what that does. It's arousing. So Christ himself bringing a parable about his love for the church is how a husband should love his wife and how a husband to raise his wife in dazzling silk so that when he embraced her, you can feel that smoothness, that caress, that caress and caring that comes forth in a cherishing that is a two-way joy. Physical attraction is essential to every marital relationship or, or relationships that lead and intended to go towards marriage is if physical attraction was not necessary then why is the heart of man and woman so intent on beautification we get our hair done we get our hair cuts we get our we get our beards groomed we get our clothes washed we get all these things that we groom on and that we prepare ourselves and even when it comes to marriage even in marriage itself, preparation, we all preparation for that day. You know, virtually every culture, I mean, like literally every culture impresses upon the couples to be their best visually and emotionally for the wedding day. Mm -hmm. 
That is physical attraction. When my prophet Shantae, when she put that white dress on and she came inside that door, that music started playing, I was in a trance. I like, oh, I just, I just froze. I was like paralyzed because her physical beauty in that white dress and her hair put up, reaching the stars. Her walking with her father down the aisle with that radiant beauty had her makeup gently put upon herself. And when she got to the altar, I was so busy, uh, just overwhelmed and engulfed in her beauty that I forgot to go down to go get her. And the officiant told me, go get your bride, go get your bride. I was so overwhelmed. Prophet Shanti, she put a little picture of it, but I'm going to see if I can see it there. I'm going to hold it for a second. You see that? I saw that for the first time. My God. She didn't have her tube stock stockings on. She didn't have her, her shirt that went from her ears to her toenails. You know, she didn't, you know, her, her, she didn't have her hair done up with, with rollers and wraps and all that stuff. But there were so many things that accentuated her natural beauty that made it arousing for me to see her and to want to enjoy her for the rest of my life. When you want to go on a date, even especially going on a date, what do you do? You go on the first date or, or, or whatever, what do you do? You get cleaned up and, you know, you can take a bath, put a little bit of whatever you're on you put on. Uh, for smelling good, you make sure you you moisturize and all that stuff. You do all these things for beautification, so that when you see that individual, that there is a literally a bonus that comes about because of their beautification that makes you just really go deeper into the well of love for that individual. Christ talks about that. Stop. We need to, the church, especially, needs to stop lying and saying that attraction does not matter. That's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. That's a recipe for disaster. To say that attraction does not matter, and then you start engaging with people that you be, and becoming close, and you're not attracted to them, and all of a sudden they may come in attractive one day. And then all of a sudden, you just like don't even know how to contain yourself. And then the relationship goes awry. Or conversely, what will happen is you're so busy, you know, not attracted to the person that you're designed to love that other people that come into the picture, are, you know, um, they, be, they come in looking attractive and you like your heart just starts to float that direction. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to Humanity saying that attraction doesn't matter. Jesus himself was in the flesh and completely understands human beauty. He understands it. He was in the flesh. He's not, he wasn't an angel. He had loins like every other man. He had hormones like every other human being. Yet without sin, he's able to appreciate beauty. Matter of fact, Jesus upped the whole beautification game when he prophesied this message to Paul. 
about marriage and beautification and even referring to those who accept him as the bride of Christ. Because it's something beautiful, not ugly. Ugly don't pay the beauty bills. And there's even another, you probably say, well, are he acting all physical? No, 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 no. This is the Lord. The Lord had designed people to be attractive. When the queen of Sheba came up in Solomon's court, he was freaking out about how beautiful she was and her beauty exuded into all of her leadership, her presentation of herself, her presentation of her team, her presentation of gifts were all centered around beauty and immaculate excellence. We, I understand what you, I hear what y'all saying. I know a bishop or one of the preachers I used to go to ministry under. Um, this I can hear you talking to me. I can hear your thoughts talking. I can hear your thoughts talking right now. Saying, well, it's not all about beauty. What if someone da 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 da? Well, you may not, yes, you may not be found in your best being your best or looking your best or being your best. But when you're found, you don't stay there. One of the greatest expressions of God's romantically towards humanity was spoken by one of the prophets, Ezekiel. Even if you're not at your best, God shows a beautification process which he ordains and he activates. If you were ugly in your spirit or ugly in your whatever, or just not really handling yourself in a way that's beautiful, God will sit there and make, and he will ordain a way for you to look and be beautiful. Look at this, Ezekiel 16, verses 6 through 14. I really love this passage. It's a, uh, it's very, um, it's intense. It was God talking about his chosen people, Israel, but the parable was that of a husband and a wife. Or a spousal. And when I passed you and saw you rolling about in your blood, verse 6, I said to you in your blood, Live. Mm -hmm. I said you, to you, I said to you, still in your natal blood, live. So some of us, our lives have been so bloodied up. Our relations and our with others in the past have not been well. You're covered with pain and trauma when it comes down to relationship. You feel like you can't even deal with engaging with another human being because you're so hurt and broken yourself. Well, God himself, he sees that blood, as I prophesy. He sees that pain. He sees the blood that you shared because of bad relationships in the past. But he does not abandon you. Hmm. He still knows that it's not good for man to be alone. And he knows that even though you have been hurt and bruised, you know, you might have been divorced, you might have been separate, or something that's gone on in your life that's challenging or even loss of a spouse. 
that God will not leave you there. He said he'll pass by. He may see you rolling in whatever has challenged your life relationally. And he says, look at this. Verse 7. I cause you to multiply as a bud which grows in the field. And you increased and became tall and became to full maidenhood and beauty. Your breasts were formed, your hair had grown, and you were naked and bare. I passed by you again and looked upon you. Behold, you are maturing, and at the time of love, and I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I plighted my troth to you and entered into a covenant with you, says the Lord, and you became mine. Then I washed you with water and thoroughly washed away your clinging blood from you and anointed you with oil. Verse 9. Verse 10. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth. Oh my gosh. And shod you with fine leather and girded you about with fine linen and covered you with silk. What is this with God and silk? God seemed to love some silk. I decked you also with ornaments. And I put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. Sounds like someone got game here. I put a ring on your nostril and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown upon your head. Thus you were decked with gold and silver. And your raiment was fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil. And you were exceedingly beautiful, and you prospered into royal estate. My God. And your renown went forth among the nations for your what? Beauty. For it was perfect through my majesty and splendor, which I put upon you, says the Lord God. So... Yes, it talks about his relationship with Israel, but he used a parable of finding a woman when she was not in her best position, when she was bloody, when she was challenged. He found her, nurtured her, helped her to grow up into this beautiful um, expression that is international. The Lord himself, he will restore to majesty. He will, he will, you know, you may feel down about yourself. You may feel like you're unlovable, that you're not worthy of love or whatsoever. But the Lord says that no matter how bloodied or how challenged your life has been, he will come and he will take the blood, the pain, the anguish, the dynamics that involves with not being able to trust or, or feel like you could be loved. He'll take away the self-hatred. All of these things that cause you to not to even want to love yourself or love others, God will sit there and cleanse your heart of those things. And he will beautify you so that you can be seen and that you can be recognized and be outstandingly beautiful in the eyes of those who would behold you. There's one thing the Lord gave me that was really interesting in this. And I hope you're getting some out of this today. Praise God. But um, 
This is something that God gave me. He said, you know what? Even in his pastors, he talks about, you know, male to female. But God also spoke to me this morning and said that even if a man has been bloody and been challenged or whatsoever, because God is both male and female. Both male and female created he them. So God is fully male and he's fully female. So God will even find a man who has been challenged, who has been hurt, who has been broken, who has felt like they just messed up, not worthy of, of love. And he will take you and adorn you and strengthen you and put you into a position where you can be loved and receive love and people will see you in your beauty, not in bloodshed. Know how I know this? I was one. <laughs> I was one of those people who felt like I could not be loved. I felt like I was passed by the love boat that never came to my dock. And that was a painful thing for many, many years of my life. Many years. Many years. And I just thought that I was not worthy of it, that people would just overlook me whatsoever. And that's just, just how my life would be. But God saw me. He saw me in that position. Even when I, to a point where I wrote off even hoping to have a wife or, or a girlfriend at least. I wrote that off. But the Lord saw me in my situation. And he had me rise up from that miry clay. Speaking relationally. He said that, yes, you will have passion. Yes, you'll be able to be able to share a, a love that's romantic in your life, you will not be excluded from that. And all of a sudden, he dropped Shante Charles on my head before her name was Charles. Like a brick. Like, <laughs> and Lord knows I, have, I was crowned by engaging with her. So I'm talking a bit of a personal story here, but I'm here to tell you that God does not overlook the arrows that he designed for you to have someone to cherish, to nourish, to adorn, and to speak words of kindness, to help bring out of situations of, of lowliness or loneliness. God, his design is to bring about union. That's why it's so important why Christ in the church or the bride of Christ in Christ is a message about union. God is about uniting, not dividing. He's about uniting male and female, not dividing male and female. He's about putting his image. See, what happens is when God is both male and both female and he created male and female and separated them out as two separate things, when they unite the fullness of of the expression of God being both male and female is fully ratified by union. There are things that God will bless and he will do and he will open up and doors and things that he will do when you become united with the one who he has sent for you to love. And let me tell you, God is not into ugly. God is spirit, but his attributes of him expressed in male and female. 
And like I said, God, yes, he was, although he's spirit, he was not into ugly physically or spiritually. God did not, God does not like ugly. His throne is beautifully adorned. His court is beautifully adorned. His tabernacle with men was outstandingly, is outstandingly adorned. Even the tabernacle that he had Moses to make was amazing and outstanding. Even the temple that he had Solomon to make was not something ugly. It was something that was majestic and beautiful. That's what he means because he wants beauty and attractiveness in the lives of those who he has expressed to be Prophet Shante. And the adversary to all of this beauty is the beauty school dropout himself. Huh. She got beaten to it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Prophet. You can say it. That's it. See, the thing about it is, is that the reason why there is so much corruption in the realm of beauty in the earth is because Lucifer himself was the archangel in heaven. I know we mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. And he was designed with incredible beauty and incredible sound. He was a sight and sound majesty in heaven. When he was evicted from heaven, God took the sight and sound of beauty from him and placed it into male and female who he made in his image. That's why there's such an adversary, such an adversary relationship when it comes down to the beauty markets. Where the average Lucifer, all he wants to do is corrupt beauty. Mm-hmm. He wants to corrupt it. He wants to he wants to manipulate it. He wants That's to try right. to deform it. Correct. You know, all these different things that are happening in different jurisdictions around the world is just him operating to try to corruption of beauty and sound. To corrupt beauty and sound, to say the least. To say at the absolute least. Look at that. God made males and females as the most exquisite creation of his. We are designed with amazing beauty. We are designed with leadership. We are designed with the ability to carry eternal expressions of loving kindness. Only religion. Which is about is not about relationship with God, but rule keeping systems and traditions. Religion is about relationship with rule keeping systems based on people's traditionals. What that does, religion causes people to miss the mark of human beauty. One thing the adversary will love to do is to allow, you know, he'll he'll let people get in a relationship. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get in there. But what will happen is he'll try to dilute your relationship that is so potent by putting distractions, by putting 
um, challenges by, you know, he tried to put these little things, these little nuances in the path for people to stumble upon. One of the biggest things that he likes to do is cause people not to take care of their own temple. Temple care, even in the even in the physical temple, was something that had to be done with so much um, care and precision. Now we are the temple, so we need to care for ourselves. We need to take care of how we eat. We need to make sure that we are keeping our body in a position where it functions well. We need to keep ourselves in a way where we will continue to reflect the beauty that God designed us and made us to be. Now, let ourselves go off into this whole dimension of unhealthy practices. Unhealthy practices. Prophet, you said it well. And this is another example here. I want to say this. We look superb when we're at work. We go to work. We look good. We got our, you know, got our ties on, got our shirts all pressed and everything. Got a, got the suits looking good. Everything can great, great, great. I mean, you see everybody once on Facebook, how they put on, how they look when they go into work or when they're going off to work and stuff. You know, you put, you put all that beauty into going to be with other people who you are not in love with, who you are in just relation with because of, you know, humanity, work, or other types of, different types of love, like whatever. But the one that you, who are to be attracted to, you come from work and you take off all the beautification. Not necessarily by clothing and adornment, but you take off that attractability when you get home. Never take, do not turn off your attractability to the person you are covenanted to be attracted to. Y'all said it. Christians are losing sight of their relations and engaging in the affairs of ministry and the affairs of duty, and then they starve. They're godly romances. They're so busy trying to deal with the affairs of ministry and affairs of this and that. You want to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you know, duty. You got to do that duty. And the very thing that God has placed you with to be attractive to, to adorn and to cherish and to be like. I mean, when you that scripture we talked about in the beginning, Christ talks about the husband does not abuse his own body. He feeds and pampers it. So there's, you know, some people that I really appreciate when I look on social media and various places in my natural life that you will see how these husbands or these wives, they sit there and they do things to really embellish their um, love and their care and their cherishing nature towards their spouse. This is what keeps up that attractability. I love it when my wife wants to make a plate of dinner for me. Won't even let me go get it. I'll try to get up and do it out of duty. She's like, no, you sit there. And all of a sudden, when I see her spinning the pot, you know, starting getting stuff over the plate, definitely once she go into the refrigerator, 
And when she starts going to those drawers and starts picking out the right fork, the right, you know, silverware, and she started getting the right glass for me, just watching her bounce around to do that, to bring the plate to me, just, man, it is exciting. Yes, I might have had a long day at work and I might have been tired or whatsoever, but something happens when that attractability is maintained and presented. And conversely, even when I come from work or whatever, when I'm dressed up and have my stuff, you know, people don't really engage me, you know, in a romantic way at work. You know, I'll never deal with that. Um, but when I come to see her, you know, I just stick my chest out a little bit. <laughs> that I've been working on to keep myself together with. I've been exercising and keep myself in good health so that I have the strength and the stamina that's necessary to cherish her. And she appreciates every inch of it. I mean, every ounce of it. And that is what keeps the attractability going. That is what keeps the passion going. That's what keeps the longing happening because the one who I love. Keep your spouse excited about you in spirit and in the natural. When I saw that couple of 64 years and how they were excited about each other, still holding hands, still blushing, man, that's my prayer. That I will continue to be attractive to my spouse. And I will do things to keep myself together, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, so that I will continue to be able to be in a position of cherishing her. Now, gosh, time goes by so fast. Time goes by so, I got so much more to share. Oh my goodness. What should I do? We might be on this another couple of weeks. Well, let me get, at least go into the scripture in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to at least read that. This is an exchange, a love exchange. It says, she said, I am only a little rose or an autumn crocus in the plain of Sharon or a humble lily that grows in the deep and difficult places. So here she is talking about herself, even though she's the most beautiful thing that he's seen. She talked about herself in a way that's kind of downing herself. But look what happens. But Solomon replied, like the lily among thorns. So are you, my love, amongst the daughters. Like an apple tree among the trees of wood. So is my beloved, she says, shepherd among the sons. That's what she said. Under the shadow, under his shadow, I delighted to sit. His fruit was sweet to my taste as an apple tree. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. For love waved as a protecting and comforting banner 
over my head when I was near him. You see that parable there? When you are together, there is something that love does. Love, that cherishing, that nature, that attractability causes a whole entire banner to come forth. The banner of love. Now, this may not be the ribbon in the sky that Stevie Wonder was talking about, <laughs> but I have, this is really where the inspiration came from. Ribbon in the sky for our love. There's something that occurs. There is something about that spousal excitement that happens. You know, look at the prophetic love story. You know, a woman, the spouse, is considered a flower in the midst of hard places. One, even the attractiveness that you have for that spouse will help you through hard times. Because we know life has its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But when you sit there and continue to maintain an attractability and love and a passion for your spouse, these environments transform. So no matter how hard things are, the most beautiful thing in that environment is the one right before your very eyes. So you don't focus on the thorns, you're focusing on the rose. Well, life is hard. Mm -mm. I'll stop there. I'm going to let Prophet Shante take this chair <laughs> and give us some comments and close us out for the day. Mm -hmm. But I hope you got some. With someone, I have so much more on this Eros love. But I pray you got some out of today. And let's transition to Prophet Shante. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> I hope that you have enjoyed the message on today. Um, I don't want to really add too much to what he is saying, but um, I believe that this is a very important word, especially for um, marriages, especially for those who are desiring of marriage. I think there's a lot to be learned. Um, especially from the Song of Solomon's about romantic love. And so I would encourage people to um, go back and read um, Song of Solomon. It's a very beautiful, uh, beautiful story. Um, but also I just kept going back to what was said in Ezekiel about the, the woman who was not found in a very good position and how you know, God in, in showing a parable of how Israel was taken under his wing, she was groomed and he began to talk about all of the adornment that he gave to Israel, how he um, allowed her to become legendary for her beauty, right? And, and the adornment and the favor that God had on her, very much how you would find in a marital relationship. And so as we look at this Eros love, as Pastor said very, um, very accurately, you know, you do want to be the one that excites your spouse. You do want to be the one that um, maintains the attractability, not just in the spirit realm, right? And not just with your character, but also with your, with your physical self and making sure that you are presenting yourself 
in a way that is attractive. And he made a very good point. Um, a lot of people choose to downplay their attractability when they get home. You know, they sort of, you know, say, oh, I'm, I can be myself now, right? But there's a part of us that should still want to be attractive to the one that we are committed and covenanted to. So I think that that is a very um, good thing to note and just take note of that, reflect on that point and ask yourself, you know, am I reserving all of my attractability for other people? Am I, am I neglecting that aspect of my life? And am I, am I serving that to other people and not doing that when it comes to the person that I'm covenanted with? So we thank God for this message on today. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to say a prayer about relational wellness. Please join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your grace and your love. We thank you, Father God, for all aspects of love that you have given to us. We thank you, Father God, that we will continue to grow in our understanding. We thank you, Father, that if we are married or, or desiring marriage, Father, that we will not neglect this area or this aspect of love, but that, Father, we will grow deeper and deeper and deeper in our understanding. Lord, that you have designed for the marriage covenant to not be, uh, as Plato said, uh, where the platonic love comes from, that love without attraction, but that that love with attraction is a blessing. It's something to be desired even within the covenant of marriage. And so, Father, we ask that you bless the couples that may watch today. We bless we bless the marital relationships, Father. We bless those that are um, moving towards marriage, Father, those that are engaged, Lord, that they would really take this aspect of love more seriously than maybe they had previously, Father, and that they would um, focus in and hone in on their attractiveness and their attractiveness towards their spouse. We thank you for an increase of love in the covenant marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you have uh, enjoyed what you heard today and you would like to show your support for the ministry, there is a link available down at the bottom. You can also uh, visit our page and scroll down and you can see how you can give towards the ministry on today. I hope that you all have a great and wonderful week. Take care, everyone, and God bless.